Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Warren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. Okay, so this is a really interesting time in the lives of all football fans. <laughs> Maybe a tragic time for you, Lauren, because college football has it's just ended. And now well, we're we're just left with NFL football, which I know for you is it's not nearly as exciting. <laughs> I know. So it's Monday afternoon when we're recording this. Yeah. It's a big night. Yes. The college football playoff championship is tonight. But, like, nobody cares. It's the only thing. Because it's Georgia and Alabama. I'm a Georgia fan. I mean, not like a crazy, crazy fan, but I am a Georgia fan. Yeah. So I'm so. fully rooting for Georgia. I really, like, literally yesterday I remembered it. I was like, oh, yeah. I guess there's some chicken wings. Like, that's... <laughs> well, I think it's because everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah Alabama's just going to The kill. third time this game's been played? Yeah. I mean, it's it's depressing. Alabama. They need oh, to go away. Sorry for all of our Alabama fans out there. It's just, I mean, I guess I can't really speak as a Patriots fan, like, about how annoying it is to have one team just yeah, but always the Patriots win. aren't good anymore. They're not. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they've, they're, they're, their run of winnings has tragically come to Not an Champa Bay. halt. Tampa Bay, we'll see. Champa Bay. Champa Bay. Champa Bay. Oh, I like that. No, I haven't actually heard really? that. Yeah. <laughs> For those that don't follow football, uh, Tom Brady now plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's the former quarterback of the Patriots. He's like 43 and, I mean, still going still winning. strong. He's still winning. Yeah, we'll see how he does in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right. Well, uh, Lauren, do you have an NFL team in the playoffs this year? No. no. I like the Jaguars, so I never oh, have a team in the playoffs. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Are the Pats making it to the playoffs at all? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, well, so wild card games begin on January 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so far it's we have the Bucks. I mean, what everyone wanted was to see the Bucks and the Patriots face off in the Super Bowl. That was like the dream. No one actually thinks that's going to happen, but mm-hmm. that would just be so epic. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> holding on to hope, though, maybe. All right. Well, um, today today's conversation is is uh, a little heavy, so we wanted to kick yeah, it no, off from football to <laughs> yeah. feminism. There, there's actually like no way to bridge this in a natural <laughs> way, like, uh, but we wanted to kick off with something a little bit fun and lighter because it is kind of an intense <laughs> conversation. We're we're diving in to a conversation with an author named Kara Dansky, who is a feminist. Kara is the author of The Abolition of Sex, How the Transgender Agenda Harms Women and Girls. So what we're talking about really is what is the ultimate goal? What is the ultimate mission of the transgender movement? And Kara advocates uh, that she believes it's really to do away with sex completely. Uh, She has what we'll call some very, very hot takes. I love how honest, how real she is. She does not mince words. So let's go ahead and get to our conversation. We talk quite extensively on this podcast about the transgender issue because it's something that affects all Americans and it specifically is harming women and girls. Kara Dansky is the author of the new book, The Abolition of Sex, How the Transgender Agenda Harms Women and Girls. Kara is also on the steering committee of the U.S. chapter of the Women's Human Rights Campaign and previously served on the board of Women's Liberation Front from 2016 
to 2020. Kara, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Kara, your book uh, just came out in November, The Abolition of Sex, How the Transgender Agenda Harms Women and Girls. As you state right in the title, the transgender movement is working to abolish this idea of sex. Why are they doing this? It's a good question. So I want to just go back to how you introduced the topic by saying uh, the transgender issue. I don't use that language. And that's why the word transgender is in quotes on the cover of my book. Yeah, please explain that. Sure. Uh, So I just think it's really important that people who are fighting for the rights, privacy, and safety of women and girls use accurate language. And so, for example, I was having a conversation one time with a group of Republican women in a fairly major U.S. city. I don't want to say where it was, but they, they, they invited me to their meeting knowing who I am. They knew that I am a radical feminist and a registered Democrat. And this was a group of Republican women. And they invited me and I was very happy to accept their invitation. And one of the women said to me, Kara, what are we going to do about the issue of having transgender athletes in women's sports? And my response was a question, which is, okay, we can talk about that. But when you say transgender athletes, what do you mean? And she kind of paused and she kind of struggled. And then she said, well, I thought we had to say that. And I asked her, okay, do you mean men and boys? And she said, yes. And I said, well, you can just say that. And she said, I didn't think we were allowed to say that. And I thought that was so interesting because I understand where she was coming from because we are all under a tremendous amount of social pressure and political pressure to use language like that. But I think it's really important that we resist that pressure. And if we mean men and boys, We can just say men and boys. It's okay to speak truth. In fact, it's important to speak truth. So that's why when you say the transgender issue, I just have to take a little bit of exception to that. And I assume that's okay because we're on a podcast called Problematic Women. Absolutely. (laughs) This is not the transgender issue. This is about women and girls having rights, privacy, and safety. And I'm going to hold to that steadfastly. And I was on the Tucker Carlson show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, the other night, and I, I, I made a plea specifically to conservatives, to Republicans, because as much as I dislike it, I know that Republicans are the political party that is the only one that is holding firm to the material reality of biological sex. But Republicans lose that. It all goes out the window when you say things like the transgender issue or transgender athletes 
or transgender students, things like that. We just have to stop using the language. Mm-hmm. Kara, that's such a powerful point that we need to hold firm to the fact that there are, there's two genders. There's men, there's women, there's boys, and there's girls. Uh, and that's all the language that we need to describe the two sexes. Can I interrupt? Please do. There are two sexes. Yep. Not two genders. Absolutely. <laughs> have to be very, very clear. Language is incredibly important. Thank you for pointing that out. Why has it become such a debate? Why do you think that so many people are are fearful of drawing a line in the sand and saying, no, there are two sexes? And how did this become so controversial that that is now somehow uh, you know, this this really uh, almost bold statement to make to say, no, there's there's only two sexes. There's only men and women. It's a great question. And isn't it weird that it seems like a bold statement to make that there are only two sexes? Yes. So essentially what happened, and I lay this out in chapter five of the book, is that there's a movement and it has persuaded America and the rest of the world that this is a civil rights movement to protect a marginalized group of people. That is a lie. What is actually happening is that there is a massively well-funded industry that is pushing this agenda. And it manufactured the word transgender because in the 1960s and 70s, The postmodernist movement grew in academia, out of which launched so-called queer theory, which at its heart proclaims that there's no such thing as biological sex. But it was very smart, and it knew that if it tried to persuade Americans that there's no such thing as biological sex, it would have failed colossally because that's ridiculous. So they did something that was very intelligent and ended up being very successful, which is that it invented the word transgender. That word has no coherent meaning whatsoever. Most people use it, even though the people who use it have no idea what they mean when they say it. It was invented out of whole cloth to sell an industry. And that's what we're seeing playing out now. But it did it very effectively by persuading Americans that there is some coherent category of people who, quote unquote, are transgender. There's not. There is no such category of people. Every single person on the face of the planet, all 8 billion of us, are either female or male. Amen to that. (laughs) But Kara, what... I guess what I'm struggling with is then what what is the ultimate uh, end goal that is trying to be accomplished here? Why why is there this push to do away with the concept of of men and women, with the concept of sex? So there's a guy named Martin Rothblatt, and he wrote a book. He, quote unquote, identifies as a woman. He spent he's a he's a billionaire. He spent millions of dollars creating a robot replica of his wife. 
And he wrote a book literally called From Transgender to Transhuman. So this sounds a little bit conspiratorial, except that it's not. He's very open about this. His goal is to obliterate human beings and get us out of our bodies and into the cloud. I wish I were kidding. I know it sounds crazy, but he's very explicit about this. And if your goal is to obliterate human bodies and get us out of our bodies and into the cloud, a really good way, a really strategic way of doing that would be to sell America on the idea that sex is irrelevant, that biological sex is irrelevant. My friend Jennifer Billick talks about this at great length in her blog, The 11th Hour Blog. She talks about it in terms of the colonization of human bodies. And I think it's important that we start to think about that as, as crazy as it sounds. And I know that it does. Well, and, and it does. But, you know, at the same time, I think 50 years ago, if if you had told the average American citizen the debate, you know, about men and women and, and sexes is going to be a, a massive national debate and there will be lawsuits filed. And, you know, most people would have laughed and said, what? There's there's only men and women. Um, so I and, and in part, I feel like we have reached uh, a, a stage in America where it's like, oh, man, um, you know, one thing just constantly leads to another. And very few things now uh, maybe are surprising. Um, but Kara, if 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 there is this kind of staunch, you know, movement forward and there's this really, really targeted agenda to do away with sex, where where are we in this unfolding, in this process right now? You've told us some of the history, how this has kind of come about, how this argument started. Uh, where where are we in this process and how much further uh, is is this agenda trying to go and, and how long do we have before we get there? We are very far into it and we don't have much further to go. And this is why I think this has to be there, there has to be uh, nonpartisan or cross-partisan, if you like, opposition to it. We have to understand that um, my priority as a feminist is fighting for the rights, privacy, and safety of women and girls. And by that, I mean all women and girls. I don't care about political party. I am interested in fighting for the rights, privacy, and safety of women and girls. I remain a registered Democrat and I've made common cause with a lot of Republican women. And I am very happy to work across the aisle with women who are fighting for the rights, privacy, and safety of women and girls. And also, men have to understand that this impacts them too. It mostly harms women and girls, but it impacts men as well. And so one of the things in my book that I lay out, one consequence, I, I lay out this hypothetical. So the hypothetical scenario if our society and government completely obliterate the material reality of biological sex, here's a hypothetical. There's a drug company that is testing a drug to cure prostate cancer, and it invites men to sign up to test the drug. I sign up and I say that I'm a man because I identify as a man. They don't question it because they're not allowed to, because the government has said 
gender identity is supreme. Sex doesn't matter. Anyone who identifies as a man is a man. So I sign up for this trial to test a drug to cure prostate cancer. Doesn't matter that I don't have a prostate because I don't have a male body. I sign up for the test. They test the drug on me. They include the results of the test in their trials. They report it to the FDA. And when they report it to the FDA, they say that these are the results for all the men that we tested this drug on. They don't bother to note that one of their test participants was female and the FDA approves the drug. Do the men who then take the drug to cure prostate cancer have a right to know that one of the test participants, at least one of the test participants, was actually female and does not have a prostate? I don't know the answer to that. It's a somewhat bizarre hypothetical, except that we are living in it now. We are living now in a state where the Biden administration has literally told every federal agency that sex doesn't matter, that all that matters is gender identity. That includes the NIH. That includes the CDC. We could talk about the FBI and the recording of crime statistics, but we need to understand that abolishing sex and enshrining gender identity is going to have massive implications for everyone, especially women and girls, but for everyone. We know from studies that have been conducted that COVID has affected men and women differently. But the only reason we know that is because we acknowledge biological sex. If that ends, we lose our ability to know those kinds of things. And those kinds of things are important to know. We can have political debates or social debates about to what extent that matters or what are the solutions we should prescribe for it. But just the basic level of knowing how diseases affect men and women differently because we have different bodies is important. And we're losing that. We are talking with Kara Dansky, author of The Abolition of Sex, How the Transgender Agenda Harms Women and Girls. Kara, you've been laying out all of these issues. What is the roadmap out? What what do political leaders need to be doing right now uh, legally? What laws need to be changing in order to be protecting women and girls? And then what do we as private citizens need to be doing to push back and again confirm that truth? that there are two sexes, men and women. So one thing is that the Senate needs to scrap the so-called Equality Act. It's been pending before the Senate for a long time now, and it probably won't pass. And that's a good thing. Um, If the Equality Act passed to protect sexual orientation, I would be in favor of it. But the Equality Act, as currently written, replaces sex with gender identity, and that needs to go. The Biden administration needs to be told in no uncertain terms that it needs to retract every single order that it issued in the first half of 2021 to replace the word sex to mean gender identity. Now, there's a lawsuit to make that happen. It's currently pending in the Eastern District of Tennessee, and that's a good thing. And my organization, the Women's Human Rights Campaign, U.S. chapter, filed a brief in that case, and I'm very glad that we did that. So we'll see how that litigation pans out. There's the state of California defines sex 
in its Civil Rights Act to include gender identity, gender appearance, and gender expression. It makes no sense. If you have listeners in California, I have people who are part of my organization who are working very hard to get that law changed. And I'm sure they would be very happy to work with women and men across the political aisle to get that law changed. And I hope it does. Be very mindful of what is going on at your local government level and at your state government level of how the governments are redefining sex to include gender identity. Don't hesitate to reach out to your elected officials at the local level and at the state level. Again, it doesn't matter about political party. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I don't care if your elected official is a Democrat or a Republican. Your elected officials represent you. They are required to listen. That's their job is to listen to your concerns. Please do not hesitate to reach out. Another thing that people can do is that a lot of us are noticing that employers are starting to do things like require us to put so-called preferred pronouns in our email signatures. Resist. Resist. I don't want anyone to lose their livelihood. I don't want anyone to lose their employment, but we can resist. We can all resist this by saying, you know what? I don't want to put my so-called preferred pronouns in my email signature because I think that's ridiculous. You can just say that. I really want Americans across the political aisle of every religion, every race and ethnicity to just say no, to stop capitulating to what is an authoritarian onslaught on our ability to know that we are all female and male. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Kara, thank you. We need to let you go for the sake of time. Kara Dansky is the author of the book, The Abolition of Sex, How the Transgender Agenda Harms Women and Girls. And for anyone that wants to order the book, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. This is an excellent read. Kara, we hope to have you back on again soon. This is such a critical issue. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. So thank you for the work that you're doing on this. I agree. And thank you so much for having me. And that's going to be it for this edition of Problematic Women. Join us on Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, if you have not ever subscribed to our show on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Do it because it truly makes a huge difference. Thank you to all of those who have left us awesome reviews. We appreciate it. All right. Have a great week. We'll see you Thursday. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.